right, everybody. Well, as promised, uh, here we are back at the Rec Poker Podcast. Uh, as always, sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino and uh, blah, blah, blah. But who cares about all that stuff? Let's get right into it because, as you can see, if you're watching YouTube, uh, you can see we have Casey Lynn Mills with us. And Casey was gracious enough to join us from what looks like a pretty awful place uh, on our planet Earth, Casey. Uh, first of all, well, welcome in. How could they put me here? Uh, thank you. Happy to be here. Now, where are you actually calling in from? Uh, we are in the Virgin Islands currently, and for another after this podcast, we're going to go pick up one more member of the Thirst Lounge, and uh, Bill Perkins is going to actually pick him up from his yacht, and we'll be heading out somewhere else to some other island. <laughs> and that was funny as we had our time set up today. You're like, you, you, you sent me a message, and hey, can we do a little bit earlier because Bill wants us to go out on the yacht, and I felt really bad for you. Uh, this is not my life. I, I don't quite know how I found myself here. I uh, just arrived a few days ago myself, so it all still feels like a little bit of a dream, a lot of a dream and a fantasy come true. And I'm just extremely grateful that I'm here. Well, and I know you're really excited about it. And, you know, chatting with you that we just met in Vegas for the first time, uh, you know, just this summer and I had a, got a chance to get to know you a little bit and found out more about this potential thirst lounge experience. And then you got the gig. So, uh, why don't you kind of catch us up a little bit first? I know it's been kind of a whirlwind uh, few months for you, but talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how did you get into the poker world in the first place? And then how did that lead into this whole Bill Perkins Thirst Lounge yacht Virgin Island St. Thomas adventure that you now find yourself on? It has been a crazy ride, I have to tell you. Just in the last few years, my whole journey in poker has been amazing, but the last few years, it just kind of skyrocketed to somewhere I never even knew was possible. I grew up in Oklahoma and uh, played poker with my grandmother, actually, who carried around a big purse full of quarters, dimes, nickels, Sweet. and pennies. And that's what we did at all, all our fa family gatherings is we played poker and she was a hell of a player. You know, she never took it easy on any of us. And she was such a competitor. She grew up in an orphanage where she, um, her dad didn't believe that women had any value on the farm. Mm -hmm. And so he sent all of the, the, the girls to the orphanage. She spent her whole life trying to prove that she was just as good as any boy. And, um, she always just had such a heck of a drive. She still bowls over 200 and uh, <laughs> an amazing competitor. And I always looked up to her as a woman who was just extremely strong and powerful, but also feminine. And so that's how, really how I got my start in poker was from her. And then growing up in Oklahoma, we have our Indian casinos. And as soon as I could play, can start playing at 18, I started playing there at the Oh, our internet connection kind of froze up there for a second, Casey. There we go. Now we're now we're back in there. I think. Okay. Yep. Um, so anyway, yeah, so start start. What I last heard was the the local India casinos. You started playing as soon as you could. Yeah, and after the moneymaker boom, around 2005 is when I really started playing. I loved poker. I ate up every content that I could find, um, you know, from the high stakes poker, anything. I, I, I've watched them all the seasons multiple times. Uh, and Scotty Wynn was our ambassador, and we had this this thing where the pros would come in. I remember Mike Matisau, Cloney Gowan, and uh, Todd Brunson, and all these people that I had watched came in and they had these heads up machines and they let the amateurs play against the pros. And I played a couple of those matches and 
I won somehow. <laughs> I won. Uh, I was always a little bit fearless and a lot more aggressive than I think most women. And it and I happened to win, and so I just thought I was so good, right? And so I was the best, of course. And I just was hooked from then on. And uh, then <clears throat> about two and a half years ago, after playing in Oklahoma for that whole time as a cash game player, uh, on and off, not full time the whole time, but had taken sometimes where I was playing full time. I moved to California and I started playing on this show that we have out there called Stones Live as a professional cash game player. Those games were pretty wild and it also gave me a chance to watch myself in the bird's eye view. And after playing on there for a while, they they asked me to come in and go over some of my hands and analyze them. And so I did that. And after that, they asked me to become a full-time commentator. And that's really how I got started in commentating. Fast forward, this whole Thirst Lounge thing happens where where uh, Bill Perkins runs this contest where he's looking for the host of the new Thirst Lounge where, you know, you're out in, in the Virgin Islands streaming poker, this amazing house and access to a yacht. And so I applied and I made the finals and I, I got cut. I got cut in the finals. I oh, really? Yeah, I didn't make it. And I was pretty devastated. You know, you put your audition tape out uh, on a public platform for yeah. everyone to watch. And it was really tough for me. And my best friend and co-commentator did make it. He made it as a host in the Thirst Lounge. And I was, well, I was extremely excited for him. I was really disappointed. But I tried to uh, let that drive me. I, I cried for like a day. And then I tried <laughs> to let that be a driver for me to work harder and both as an entertainer and just as someone studying and, and really putting in effort. So next time an opportunity like that came around, I wanted to be ready for it. Lucky for me, a couple of people um, of the hosts of the Thirst Lounge ended up leaving for uh, various reasons. Kelly Minkin and Kat Valdez both left the, the show and so a spot opened up. And they ran a new contest for the Thirst Lounge. I have a six-year-old son, and I know he's always watching me and everything that I do. And it was really tough to convince myself to put myself out there again for that sort of rejection on that public field. But I said, I'm not going, no matter what happens, I just have to keep fighting. I have to get back up and try again. And so I put out another tape and tried to make it better than the first one. You know, I just wanted to get better. And somehow, oh, oh my gosh, I made it the second time I got it. I'm, I made it to the finals and I actually got chosen to be one of the new hosts, myself and Adam, it's payday. And here I find myself now living in the Virgin Islands and playing poker on the street. It's so crazy, right? I mean, so how long, like from the first time you got rejected, was it the same, was it the kind of the same time frame, or was this a matter months. of years, months? Uh, okay. Months went by. Yeah, I think it was about four months, three, three, maybe three or four months when the opportunity came up again. I believe I was the only finalist that from the first time, uh, to reapply the second time. And yeah. And it, okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, you know, my inside of me, I'm thinking, well, why didn't they just then go to whoever was second or third and kind of not go through the process again. So that's, it's painful for you because now you've got to kind of redo the process all over again, but you did it. And I'm, I'm curious, like, have you connected this, like, you know, is a piece of your grandma in you there in terms of your, you know, your commitment, your tenacity? Do you, do you feel like that was kind of what she would have done or? 
A hundred percent. And I also just think I have always had uh, this kind of fighter spirit that I've had to have. I We grew up from very humble beginnings and didn't have a lot. We didn't have a lot of money and just had a lot of hard experiences from young from a young age. And uh, I remember I wanted to ride horses as a little girl and we couldn't afford it. And so I had to trade mucking stalls for horse lessons. And so from a very early age, waking up at 5 a.m., feeding the horses, cleaning the stalls, uh, sweeping the barn and doing those sorts of things that kind of built that backbone into me to have that tenacity. And and then again, if I wanted a car at 16, I, I had to work for it. So I started working as a waitress and an omelet flipper at Golden Corral from a very young age. I actually wasn't supposed to be working yet, but uh, I found a way and made it happen and was able to get my little Nissan Sentra at 16. So I just always really had to fight for everything I wanted. And so again, when this opportunity came up, that's what I wanted to do. And also I had a little witness that I think Mm. made it even more important to me. Because you're being a role model in that way. For sure. Well, I, I love that. I love that so much. And I, you know, you and I have similar backgrounds, frankly, about that too. And, you know, I think people will look at you and say, okay, you're the thir- you're host of the Thirst Lounge, uh, you know, Stones, all of this, all of this amazing stuff. And I think there's a, inside of human nature, there's this sense, and maybe because we're poker players, we think, oh, they just got really lucky. They just got really lucky. And clearly you did, you caught some good yes. breaks and all of those things. But, but underwriting all of that is this, this work ethic, this tenacity, this, uh, I would say even appreciation because you grew up with humble beginnings. I know how much you probably appreciate each thing that you do receive going forward. And I think that's a, that's a great message for people to see. And I love that we're talking about this. This wasn't really the, the idea of the thing, but I, I love this because it shows that everybody has a story. You didn't just show up one day and there's Casey Lynn Mills, star of the Thirst Lounge. Yes, you caught good breaks, but you worked hard uh, and you had a great role model in your grandmother to, to help get you there. I couldn't agree more. I have been extremely lucky to be in the right place at the right time with the right opportunity to come up. But it's it's exactly as you said, if I wasn't ready with those life experiences and those role models I had, I wouldn't have been able to grab that opportunity when it, when it came time. And because of my experiences, I wake up every day and it's so easy for me to just tear up just looking at where I'm at because I don't take a second of it for granted or, um, it does feel like a fantasy and I just really want to make sure that every day I'm taking in where I'm at and, and really seeing it and, and being here. Well, I, I love that. So thanks for sharing that. I know that's, that's being more transparent than maybe you were expecting on the show, but <laughs> I, I love that. I love the story. I love uh, now that you have this platform to, uh, to kind of relay that story and for what it's worth, I'm proud of you. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a great thing. So let's talk a little bit. So, so you're a player, you're mostly a cash player. You don't play a lot of tournaments. Is that, that's uh, fair. Right. I, I've been mostly a cash game, steered clear of tournaments purposely for a really long time. But just this over this last year, I've been starting to invest a lot more time in studying tournaments and just starting to play them more as well. So this series, I played a few more tournaments and played a couple, uh, one on the circuit and oh, <laughs> and uh, um, <clears throat> a WPT, a couple events as well. So I'm starting to invest more in tournaments and really enjoying it. But yes, definitely cash game. Well, for me this summer, I kind of wish you hadn't started playing tournaments. So when, when you and I met, um, it was actually, it was sort of a funny situation. I thought it was funny because uh, late position, I open with four or five suited. You're in the big blind, I think, and you defend with ace jack. 
And the flop comes like 4-4 jack or something like that. So I just got you crushed. And then it ran out like ace jack or something. And that's how <laughs> and that's how we first met. I'm like, and then I saw you in the hallway. I'm like, okay, let's talk about this or whatever. Um, so I kind of wish you had deferred a little bit longer on the tournament side of things. But <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's fun. And I love hearing that, you know, sometimes uh, I think there's also a, a built-in, you know, we think, okay, some of the hosts of different things, whether they're male or female, we think, okay, they're hosting things. They might not know a lot about the game. But I love having that knowledge now that you're actually, you know, you've studied the game and you're studying the game and you continue to, to work and get better. I love knowing that you're, you're involved with broadcasting and reporting, but you're also a player. I think that's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I am. I'm, this opportunity specifically, being in this house with the other hosts, it's amazing for me because we have access to a, to a lot of study materials and there are some players here that... Um, like Maddie, one of the other hosts, he put in a hundred hours this last week studying and wow. just being around that energy has been amazing for me because anytime I see him studying, I'm like, I need to go study, you know, um, just wanting. And, and so I feel like this environment specifically is going to help me to get so much better as far as the, the poker side as well. Well, let's just spend, that's cool. Let's just spend uh, a couple minutes too talking about, so this, what we're looking at right now, this is where you are living. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so bring our, you know, those who aren't as familiar, you know, a lot of mostly recreational players that listen to this, we have a good mix, but a, a lot of people might not even be familiar with the Thirst Lounge. And you did, you know, talk about it a little bit, but let's just talk a little bit. What, what is this place? So it's a house in the Virgin Islands. Where yes. What happens? Like, what is this deal? And how do I become a part of this? But, you know, just <laughs> tell us about what this deal really is. What's going on? Some of you guys may be familiar with Bill Perkins. He, um, He's produced movies. He's been in oil. He's uh, been in a lot of, he's an entrepreneur, a businessman, and a, a lover of the game of poker. Yeah. And so he started this thirst lounge thing where he would um, come out to the Virgin Islands, stream poker, sometimes from the yacht, sometimes from a house, and have like, guests come out and just really living the life, right? And he's always been one that's been extremely generous and, and wanting to give back and, and build up the community and give people a shot who are just trying to make something happen for themselves. And so he decided as he was not out here that often out, you know, living the jet setter life that he does and working and, and that sort of thing, he decided he wanted like a consistent host to be able to stream poker consistently. Okay. So he decided uh, to run this contest to find a new host for the thirst launch. Originally it was going to be one host who hosted the Thirst Lounge. But the amazing man that he is, luckily, it ended up <laughs> uh, 10. They chose the TL10, the Thirst Lounge 10 hosts. And um, so, yeah, so now we have 10 people who are the hosts of the Thirst Lounge. And so we can just really stream constantly. We stream on Twitch. And we also put out uh, content on YouTube, video content on YouTube as well. And so we're all living here studying. We have access to Raise Your Edge Elliot Rowe mindset courses, and uh, we got a staking deal of uh, Party Poker and Bill Perkins both staking us to be able to play poker, cash, or tournaments, even some live events uh, as well. 
and we're doing that out here for it was the project was a year and so it's going through till February and yeah this here we are here we find ourselves in this beautiful setting and access to some amazing things like the yacht and we're also trying to give back to the community out here uh, in the Virgin Islands and ho looking at hosting different charity events they've already done some things out here also so yeah that's kind of how it's all starting you can find us the thirst lounge on uh, twitch and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel as well that sounds awesome. It seems like, I mean, rec poker should come out there for a week and just report on things. It's, that's what it seems like to me. I, I don't no, know. About, I mean, right, right. I'm sure, I'm sure everybody would turn that down. <laughs> well, what about, um, well, before we switch into the women of poker, since we're mentioning some of the, where we can find uh, the thirst lounge, how about yourself? Uh, where can people connect with you if they're interested? Because I often forget to ask people that before the end of the show. So uh, while we're there, kind of how can people connect with you personally? I am Poker Mama on everything, but it's an interesting spelling. Mama is M-O-M-M-A-A. -A. So, uh, yeah, Poker Mama on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can find me Find me there. Awesome. Okay, so let, let, let's shift into women in poker now. So, I guess just in general, what, what are your thoughts on that topic? Before I kind of get into specific things, I just like to say just generally, when, when the topic of women in poker comes up, What's sort of your reaction, whether it's your emotional reaction, your logical reaction, what, how do you kind of respond to that in general? I, when I hear, think of women in poker, I instantly think of all these badass women that I know that are in poker. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Starting with your grandma. Starting with my grandma, grandma and then like Jen Shahadi, I'm probably butchering her last name, but uh, who was on your podcast recently. Yeah. Just an amazing woman in poker. I think of Sasha, uh, who I also really, really look up to Jamie Kersetter, these people that I just think are just amazing people and they're amazing women in poker. That's the very first thing that comes to my mind is all these amazing role models uh, that I see in poker. Okay. No, that's, that's fantastic. So, and there are, there's a ton. And what's fun was as I, you know, connected with one, they'd connect me with another one, connect me with another one. And there's all these just wonderfully amazing gifted poker players and people, uh, as you said, and it, it's fun to, to learn more about uh, the women in, in poker that are really uh, making a difference. So uh, when you think about, you know, I guess the numbers from a pure number perspective, you know, again, this year, I believe it was 4% of the main event was women. And that's sort of the kind of where it's been uh, for, for a number of years. And it's, you know, it's higher online and we can talk about all the different things, but in general, uh, gender diversity is, is lower in poker than in a lot of other activities. And so when you think about that, do you look at that and say, that's a problem that we need to figure out? Or do you look at it more like, you know, there, there's a lot of societal things that are going on, a lot of, you know, norms, gender norms that are driving this thing. So do you see it as a problem or do you see it as just a byproduct of our society? I think we can definitely get better, but I do believe that a lot of it does have to do with gender roles. I think that plays a part in it, but that's just one part of it because there's a lot of other things that could, there's a lot more women that would enjoy poker and like to to be involved in poker, I believe. Um, but it's, in it's very intimidating, uh, to, I think, for a lot of women to get started, for anyone really, men and women. Yeah. I think it can be intimidating. I, I still remember, or whenever I've invited my family to come play at the casino, how scary it is for them. Because I sometimes forget, having played for so long, how scary it is to sit down at that table and to not really know what you're doing and to have, you know, feel like you're messing up at every second and everyone is staring at you and looking at you like you don't know what's, what's going on. And so um, I think there's a lot of reasons. And of course, again, it just being so male dominated and male driven, um, 
sport currently. I think a lot of women are intimidated, so they just never really do it. So I think it, it's it's going to start more at the home base, like home games, really getting women comfortable playing poker to start before they're going to be more comfortable coming into the casinos. And then once they are in the casinos, really having a super welcoming environment for the ladies, which sometimes, you know, the experiences are extremely diverse. Some, a lot of my experiences are amazing. And I have some of the the best conversations um, that I've ever had and people extremely kind, but there are some unfortunate experiences that you run into as a woman in poker too. So it can keep, keep away. Yeah. And you, and you mentioned, you know, the intimidation of going into the casino for the first time. And I remember that I just started playing like eight years ago and I was like, I don't know what to do, where to go, who to talk to. And so I've made that one of my missions is I always put it out there on the podcast and I've had I don't know, four or five people that have actually reached out to me in, in my local casino and said, I want to go play for the first time. Will you meet me at the front door and, you know, and kind of walk me through? And I'm happy to do that because it is intimidating. And, the, you know, most of these, most of them, except for one, were, were guys too. So I think it's intimidating for anybody. And then like, like you said, so step one, how do we get people to be confident enough to go into the casino and play a live tournament? But then step two, uh, how do they have a good experience when they're there, when they might not know all the rules, when they might make a bad call with Jack seven when they, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, they're not being berated or that people aren't telling the wrong jokes at the wrong time and all those things. So that's kind of what I'm hearing from you is we can be better in both of those fronts. A hundred percent. And, um, in inclusiveness and just making sure that we're inviting people in. I always try to get my girlfriends to come in and say, let's just play some low limit instead of hitting the slots this time or playing right. Jack or whatever. Just come hang out with me. We can play some four, eight limit or do something really small. You don't have to invest a lot of money and let's just do it. And also we can, we can do more home games. So you're more comfortable. Also stones, um, stones gambling hall out of Sacramento where I commentated for a long time. Something they did is they always had a table there that anyone could go and just sit and and learn and at any time. And I think a lot of places who do that, it's it's great, but some people still won't do it. They don't want to sit down there and be feel like they don't know what they're doing already. Yeah. And now there's a lot of other ways on your phone that you can get comfortable playing and learning and stuff. But I think going with a friend is is really really important to just. Get, get started. Yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, we, we're trying to do some of these play and learns at, at our local casino as well, which is just a free thing. People come and, you know, we're, we're showing our cards. So it's kind of a strategy thing to it too, but it's also an on-ramp to play. And, and I think that's a, that's a good opportunity. So when you think about, so casinos, what else could casinos do? So in addition to saying, we're going to have a table or we're going to have on-ramps, like, is there anything casinos can do to help make this either, you know, more inviting for, for new people or, uh, create an environment that's, uh, I want to say less toxic, but at least uh, is is inviting to, you know, all new players. You know, I think this is something I'm just thinking off top of the head, but it, off, um, but so many, most of the men who play a lot of men are married or engaged. If we ran some sort of um, tournaments or contests where it's like, bring, bring mm. your lady, bring a wife, other. bring a friend, yeah. bring bring a daughter, bring somebody. And, you know, it's a low buy-in, something it's a lot for a lot of fun, um, just creating that sort of environment. Uh, and I think everyone would get behind it because I think a lot of men really want their women or their, their family members to be more involved. It's something they really love and they would love to see their significant other being able to share in that enjoyment with them. So if they could do something like that, where it's like, you know, and it's not too stressful for ladies, maybe, you know, tag team, more tag team events, that sort of thing where it's a ladies, uh, ladies and men together. That would be a great idea. Something they could run like once a month and everyone could get involved in. I like it. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of creative ideas. 
What, what's your thought on women's events? I know we've had, you know, like I mentioned, we've had several people on the show already, and and there's kind of a, a different spectrum of perspective on having ladies' events. Mm-hmm. Uh, some some thinking this is fantastic, this is great, we need more of these. People are are loving the event; it highlights women, and blah 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 blah. And then other people are saying, "Oh no, I, it's just sort of creating a, a greater divide between men and women, and saying that we're something different." Or so there's kind of a, a broad spectrum. I'm curious your thoughts on it, good for the game or even for you personally. Yeah, I'm all for it. I think okay. um, the ladies' event, I had so many people that were, they were playing the ladies' event at the World Series. They were talking about, this is the greatest yeah. event. Uh, the, uh, the whole World Series is the ladies' event. A community of women, poker players, coming together to support each other, loving to talk. You know, the one time they all get to sit down together and we get to talk about our nails or our hair or, do, or whatever. Right, and just, right. this is for me, like, normally that's just not your experience. And laughing together and having fun and sharing in that enjoyment. And it just brings us all closer. I always, anytime I meet a woman in poker, I always count her a friend first. You know, like I may not even know her yet, but I'm instantly, and that's what I've experienced with so many women like Maria and, and um, Jamie and Jennifer is that same sort of thing is like, you're, we're, t- we're together, you know, and we have to be, we do have to support each other. We do go through some difficult experiences. Um, I try not to focus on them too much. And I think my background <clears throat> growing up in Oklahoma in a very conservative household um, and just the, the way that I was raised was I very much kept quiet when I had those have had those experiences and just kind of let it wash over me and just tried to never let it affect me whenever people, hey, little lady, you, let me right. tell you how to play your hands. And, um, and just a lot of discrimination or sexist talk or just almost abusiveness at the table. And I really just always discounted it and never would really speak up. But at, once I moved to California, I found a, a lot different, a uh, lot more women who were empowered to like kind of, or speak up and say more and say, "Hey, this isn't okay." And more if we just keep kind of towing the line and just letting it go all the time, and no one's speaking up for it, it's never going to get any better, and it's never going to change. And I've had some great role models like Vanessa Cade, who, who's always been one to even with. Um, people against against it or for it she's gonna speak up and say this is this is what I've been experiencing and this is what's happening and I think also when other male players at the table speak up when this stuff happens is whenever I see a lot of big change because generally yeah. it's great for the the female player to be empowered and to be able to take charge and speak up but if you see something happening at the table that's just clearly out of line and it's being done towards a female if a male player does speak up and say something oftentimes the rest of the, the whole rest of the table who is also feeling uncomfortable about the situation says yeah cut it out you know and and it oftentimes whoever that kind of outlier person is is they kind of slink back down and um and so i think that that's kind of the direction we need to move in as far as that goes I love that. And I think, you know, that's, it's, it's interesting because I've been in that role several times and usually they do shrink back. Sometimes they, they double down on, on their issue, but um, you know, and only one time have I had, you know, the, the woman, you know, say, Hey, I can defend myself. Like, okay, I didn't mean to interrupt there. She was, she was being abused pretty heavily. Uh, but, but mostly it, it, you're right. It changes the tenor of the table. And I think it changes the expectation. It changes that, that cultural norm. It's right. no longer cool. I mean, I, I don't like when they're, I mean, people tell women jokes, they tell ethnic jokes when those people aren't at the table, but sometimes they do when they're at the table and, and they're both unacceptable. 
Uh, but it's just amazing to me, sort of the, the lack of awareness or sensitivity uh, on that side. Yeah, um, and that's a great point when you say the lack of awareness, because um, it's something that I realize is that in always staying silent, some of these people really weren't aware yeah. of the way they were coming across or that their joke wasn't funny and that, or, or whatever. And, and so when you bring that awareness, hey, that doesn't feel good to me. Like what you said, actually, I, I don't like it and it does bother me. It, it can change somebody and going forward, but silence never will. So love it. And so you, you mentioned that, you know, earlier on in Oklahoma, you'd be more resist, just kind of just take it. This sucks. You go in California, you know, more women are more empowered or they're feeling like they can push back. Has has that changed your reaction at the table? Have you sort of moved more in that direction as well of speaking up? You know, I think we so often fall back on how we just have been built in, you know? So I think, whereas I'm, you know, I've been out in California two and a half years and every day I'm getting braver and, and more able to step up and speak up. But even out here, I would say that I'm typically the one that's like, you know, this it's, doesn't it's fine. Really bother right. me that much. I know this guy is an idiot, you know, right. whatever. Right. Exactly. Right. And, and, and so I'm just going to let it go, but I'm bearing witness to so many women who are, uh, Ebony Kinney, who's another thirst lounge host. I see her being so powerful as a female, as well as like Vanessa, I said. And when I see them doing that, I say to myself, I don't want them to stand alone. You know, like, um, right. It's, it's important that I step out of my comfort zone and, um, be someone else to speak up because they shouldn't have to stand alone in that. Right. So that's something that's motivating me to be more active and be one who more speaks up, even though I may, it may not come natural to me, or I may say, well, this, I can brush this off of my shoulder. Someone else, the next person who wants to feel comfortable at a table, the next female who sits down, if I haven't been someone to stand up because it didn't really bother me, I didn't really let it get to me that much. That may not be their experience. And it's really all of our duty to kind of help. I love that. And I think it's, that's the consistency of message. So even if it doesn't bother you when you speak up and then that, that same offender goes to another table and they hear it over there, goes to another table, hears it over there. Even, you know, they're getting enough of the same message that eventually yeah. they're in the minority. You know, I think that's exactly kind of what you said before about the other people sort of rallying around that thing is they move from, okay, here's one person saying inappropriate things, one person taking inappropriate things and everybody else neutral. And pretty soon now it starts to, you know, flow in the direction of they're now the minority. Now they are clearly the idiot at the table. Right. And I think, you know, for some people, I mean, some, some men especially are still Neanderthals. They're never going to get it. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know how you feel about evolution, but there's still people that I think are still on the caveman side of things. Um, you know, but they're never going to get it. But I think those people that are in the middle ground or people that are more thoughtful are eventually going to say, boy, what used to be funny, what used to be a chummy sort of thing isn't anymore. Maybe right. I need to, even if they don't change their, their mental perspective, at least they change what comes out of their mouth. And that's a positive right. change. I completely agree. And what you said about evolution, I'm a big fan of it. I love <laughs> science. And if, if I didn't play poker, I'd be a biologist. I love studying that in human nature and pr- primatology specifically was what I wanted to do with a career before here. So I'm, I'm generally one who like, gives a lot of credit. I'm like, this is men and women are built different. We're designed different the way we think about things. And so oftentimes give people a massive break just for being where they are based on their, their level of awareness and evolution. And, uh, but again, it's at the same time, 
we still all have to give them a chance, you know, to be able to evolve because we can't just say, well, they, this is how they're made. This is how they're built. So they're always going to be that. We still got to give them a chance, you know, who knows? Yeah. It's funny because I was, I was literally sitting at the tables this summer and I was out in Vegas longer than I've ever have been. And I'm just like, I feel like I can almost like, like, put people on the spectrum of evolution based on, <laughs> you know, it sounds horrible. I know what I'm like, okay, that guy's more like a Neanderthal. It sounds horrible, but just, it, it's sort of what was going through my, my warped mind. And, and I've looked at like spiral dynamics a bit. I don't know if you've ever looked at that, but that's sort of, you know, how, how society evolves and groups and individuals evolve. And I'm like, okay, this, this guy's a red, this guy's a blue, yellow kind of thing. So <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like these are the weird things that are going through my mind when I should be focusing on what are the betting patterns and things like that. Yeah, I think thinking about things that way for me has helped me to have more love and kindness for everyone in my heart because um, when I really think about uh, the differences and how they are, it's just, it's hard to to hate on people, you know, because you're just like, this is where they're evolved to and it's how their brain's designed and they're dealing with, you know, where where they're at right now. And so it's, it makes it a lot uh, easier for me to not hold harder, um, harbor hard feelings or get angry and mad. That doesn't necessarily mean I don't have to stand up and ask for change, but at the same time, I don't have to hold on to these nasty feelings inside me. And I love that you said that because I know what I said sounded very judgmental and it is because I'm sort of perceiving people in a certain way, but in a sense it does take them off the hook because I view them that way. And so what I started thinking is, you know, that their, their upbringing, their nature of evolution, their status of where they are, they're not character flaws. They're just how they are. And so, yeah, I can still say I can appreciate this person, but, you know, challenge them on certain parts of their being versus just throwing them out and saying that's a horrible, awful person. Because like you said, I mean, your, your upbringing has influenced you. Mine has has influenced me. Everybody's has influenced them. Some of these people had no chance, but to be, you know, a misogynist because of how they were born and how they were raised. And so I still want to challenge that, but I don't want to just say, well, they're an awful person because they don't think how I do. Right. It, it almost tickles me sometimes because I look at it and you can almost just, uh, I can laugh about it in, in like a, a loving way. It's just like, look at this, you know, look at this <laughs> little human over here, like uh, dealing from their perspective yeah. and their yeah. experiences. And I like being that way because I don't want to be walking around jaded and angry right. and frustrated all the time, but I still want to excite change. So uh, trying to find that middle ground of just letting everybody off yeah. where they are at, but also saying we we can still do better and move forward for the sake of balance. I love that. That sounds like your, your humble beginnings kind of coming out there too. And I know the way I think about that is, who knows, I could be wrong too. Like, I mean, we, we all kind of walk around thinking we have you know, the, the complete uh, monopoly on truth, right? right? And so, you know, that's part of it too, is saying, okay, I've got a perspective on how this should happen, but I'm not going to just throw them out and say they're a horrible, awful person because they don't completely think like I do, but at least let's challenge it. Let's give our voice into this thing and try to figure out if we can become, you know, have that, have the uh, arc of justice, you know, bend a little bit better. Right. hundred percent. when you say I could be wrong too, when I think about myself, I'm like, and I am wrong too. Like yeah. I am mm. wrong too. Because it's just like, I am just one person just dealing with my little tunnel vision. There's no way for me to see the big picture. And so I just try to do the best that I can to, 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 with, with the information that I have, knowing that some, some of that is not going to be, you know, perfectly in, in per- perfect perspective with what's going on because I just have my one little tunnel that I can see through. So, right. 
Well, I want to make sure I honor your time. We're getting close to the end here and you've got a yacht to get on and blah, blah, blah. We all get it. We all look, you know, yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> exactly. We all feel so bad for you that you're under this time constraint that you have to get on Bill Perkins yacht. And, uh, but, but no, uh, this has been great. I mean, I've loved this conversation. I, I want to give you an opportunity if there's, you know, I don't know, we didn't really have like a big structured plan here, but if there's anything that you wanted to say uh, that didn't get said, or, you know, you kind of have an audience here with a few thousand people that are all tuning into this because they're interested in uh, improving diversity or just interested in the issue itself, uh, anything that you'd like to say to, you know, to kind of further this conversation? I, I mean, the first thing I just want to say is thank you. Thank you so much for holding this conversation, for making, I think it's very easy to, can, to, to go a different way, but for you to have made this whole series on women in poker and to continue to have put so many women on and giving us a voice and a platform, I really appreciate it. And thank you for that, for doing that and taking that time and setting a great example of, of, of just a, an awesome podcast. I really enjoyed uh, the ones that I've listened to as well. And I just, yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't want to take this. See, that's not what, ah, no, it's not about me. It's about you guys. Uh, no, thank you for that. Anything else kind of, you know, the final words of, of wisdom to either, you know, women that are out there, to men that are out there, to casinos, to podcast hosts, anything else that you yeah. think that the world needs to know about this? I do. I want to say that, you know, I have actually worked a lot of different jobs in my life and I've had a varied life experience with a lot of people. Poker has been the most amazing community that I have ever been a part of. I've met the most intelligent, thoughtful people, people who really care and love each other. And I think so often it's so easy for poker to get a bad rap and um, get put in a certain category. And I just have to say, it has not been my experience. I have been never been happier and felt more loved and more welcomed, not only by women, but by men too, on a consistent basis. And I'm just super proud and thankful to be a part of this community. And so for anyone who's looking at getting involved in it or afraid to get involved in it or what's that really about or what is it really like? Is it just going to be uh, you know, a bunch of crazy gamblers and, and people with all kinds of problems? It's really not. I, I have literally met some of them just the most inspiring people in my life of all genders, um, races, ethnicities, everything uh, in poker. And it's, it's amazing. So come on, get in here. <laughs> that would be the one thing I'd have to say. I love that. I mean, I, I could go on for hours about that too, because, you know, I just got into the game like eight years ago, and, you know, and I, I got a lot of pushback because uh, I was on staff at a church. I run a nonprofit doing work in Rwanda and, you know, you get all this pushback. I started doing charity poker tournaments and like, people are like, you're taking money from poker. Like, you know, I mean, you get all this pushback because people have this perspective of poker players as a bunch of, you know, degenerates and, and all of that. And so that's been part of my mission, I feel like, too, is to help change that perspective from the outside. But being on the inside, as much as I am now, and getting a chance to talk to people like you just furthers that. Like, exactly what you said. This is a phenomenal community. Uh, some of my best friends now I've met through poker, which is crazy for me to even have thought about that 10 years ago. And I never had played the game at all. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, just tr phenomenal people. Yeah. Like, like any community, like any family, there are the, you know, the uncle Joe's of the world that are, <laughs> that, are that are problematic, but uh, the community as a whole has been phenomenal for me. And I just feel so blessed to be part of that as a whole. And that's, it sounds like the sentiment that you want to get out there too, because we're talking about a tough issue, right? We're talking about kind of the edges of, 
our community that are a little bit distasteful. Right. But let's not lose sight of the whole big picture that right. it, it really is a great community and a great family feel. I completely uh, resoundingly agree. I've grown and learned more through uh, talking with people in poker and found more generous, uh, charitable, loving people in poker than anywhere in my whole life. So it's a great yeah. Well, we can, we can end there for what it's worth. I'm proud of you. I'm sure your grandma's proud of you. Everybody's <laughs> proud of you. That's been along with you the journey. Uh, I mean, congratulations again uh, on this, this great deal. And if you ever want to come on and chat poker, we'd love to have you. Uh, but, but if this is, if this is the end of the road for us, uh, it's just been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit and hearing your story. And I'm excited to be able to kind of get your story out and your thoughts out uh, to our audience. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. It has been a blast. And yeah, I look forward to any time. And enjoy your miserable day out there. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care, Casey. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for the Rec Poker Podcast for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. And we will be back next week with another guest. Take care. <laughs>